what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. I'm about to go on a five-mile run, but first I want to check in with you guys. Kevin Anderson won Flat Out Friday on his Vanilla Cycles 450. Brian Smith not able to race, but he played the role of a fortune teller as Ryan Wells gets back to his championship form, winning his first race of 2018. Jared Meese continues to dominate, taking another victory in Calistoga, but Jeffrey Carver is hot on his heels. Maybe one more lap? He could have caught him. We'll never know. The track was mint, which allowed the riders to do what they do best, provide great racing for the fans. Richie Morris Racing picking up the win with Ryan Wells on the singles, but also making news in the twins. Yesterday, a press release came out. Davis Fisher will be riding his Indian along with the help with D&D performance of Scottsdale Arizona for the rest of the year. With Fisher's performance from Calistoga, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does the rest of the year on the Indian. Racing in Paris? The only race in Paris that I know of is the one in Paris, France, the Super Prestigio. Shout out to our top listener, Matthew Gunther. Not only did he miss prom for the Texas race, but this weekend he's missing graduation to be racing the Arizona Mile. Congratulations, Matthew. The Arizona Mile, the first mile in 2018, it's also the first of five miles in a row for the Twins. I think it's going to be up in the air for both classes. Shayna Texter could get her first win of 2018 on the Husqvarna. She's coming off at two seconds in a row. Maybe she can get it done tomorrow. In the Twins class, Brian Smith won there last year, but he is missing another race after the crash in Texas. This opens the door for Brad Baker. Can he get his first win on the FTR 750? I think he can, but he's got to beat Jared Meese. This week's guest is an up-and-comer in the singles class. We don't hear much about him, even though he finished fourth in the points last year. I figured I'd change that by giving him a call. Here's the Holly Hot Rod, Ben Lau. Scotty. Ben Lau, what's going on? Doing good, how about you? Man, I am great. What are you, what are you doing today? Are you up in Michigan, enjoying the cold weather? To be honest with you, I'm, uh, I work for my dad during the summer, so I, uh, I drive a semi home and travel for him. And I uh, knew you guys were going to be calling, so I found you a nice spot to pull over on the side of the road. going to take some time and talk about motorcycles with you. So, so you're a big truck driver? Yep, that's what I do. And we we got to incorporate that into a nickname or something. I, I didn't know you are a big truck driver. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. So uh, we got Ben Lau on the phone. He's uh Finished up fourth in the AFT singles points last year, second in Paris, third in Charlotte and Peoria, fourth in Calistoga and Springfield short track. So uh, why are you like under the radar? How come nobody's talking about you, man? What's going on? I, I don't know. Maybe it's that I'm not, I'm not pretty enough or I don't, I don't have the hair, but I guess I've kind of always just been like that. I don't, uh, maybe because I'm not really super huge in social media stuff, but I just kind of go to the race and do my own thing and just try to, try to make as many friends as I can and and uh, just get through the race weekend. And I don't know. Who knows? All right. Well, uh, maybe if you get on the podium a couple more times this year. I mean, you did you did a few times last year. So maybe if you get that first win, maybe somebody will start taking notice of you like this announcer guy you're talking to right now. So uh, let's well, just jump into it. Let's get to know Ben Lau. Uh, where were you born? Born right here in uh, Holly, Michigan. So you like being called the Holly Hot Rod? Is that is that kind of your nickname? Is that sticking for you? 
Yeah, it was a little different. I, I actually, I don't know how that came about. Was that you, or was that like a Facebook thing that started it? Well, maybe somebody told me to say it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. You know, maybe somebody texted me or sent me a message. I, I don't know where it came from, but do you like it? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to stick pretty good. It, it, it rolls off the tongue nice. So, I mean, until we come up with anything better, I think that's great. Okay, I'll, I'll keep using that one. So, what was it like growing up in, in Holly, Michigan? I don't even know where the heck that is. Where, where, where's it at in Michigan, and how'd you like growing up there? Well, I'm basically right between Flint and Detroit, so pretty much the greatest place on earth. But, um, I mean, it was good. Just, you know, pretty pretty normal childhood, I'd say. Um, like I said, my dad owns a small escalating company, so I've kind of grown up working for him and then going racing on the weekends and riding motorcycles any time in between that I can. Right on. So how did you get into riding motorcycles? Uh, basically both sides of our family, they all, they all raced flat track growing up. My, uh, my dad raced when he was younger. Um, my uncles on both sides raced, uh, my, my mom's brother, Rob Williams. He, uh, he rode the expert 600 stuff for a long time. He had his national number for a year or two, I believe. So he was probably the most serious into it out of all of them. And then, um, after that, my brother, he got, he, he, he went for a good run over a couple of years. He had a, he had his pro singles license in 09. Um, he never made a main or anything, but he was, he was into it. And that's kind of when I picked up off of that on the whole flat track thing and started going to races with him. And, and then, uh, the rest is history. I got you. So why did he stop racing? Um, I don't know. He, he was, he was kind of older when he was doing it. He, uh, he was working, you know, uh, we, like, like we said, he was kind of just like getting into it serious with the whole 450 things and everything. And we just, um, I don't know. We didn't really have a whole lot and really know what we were doing. So that was just kind of getting into it. And then I kind of started racing and started getting a little bit more serious into it. And then he basically just kind of became my tuner, engine builder, suspension development, just all the above. Awesome. Do you, uh, do you remember your first race? Oh yeah. First race would probably be, I might've rode like a fair race on like a 65 with navvies. It it probably wasn't too good. I gotcha. So what got you hooked then? I mean, if, if you didn't do too good, your first race, why'd you keep at it? I don't know. I just kind of stuck at it. And then I got me, uh, got me an 85 and started going to some of the local district 14 races. And I was just kind of like the, like a nobody, you know, it's that it was like, it's a really kind of tight knit, um, community and, the uh, district 14 flat track. So I was just kind of getting my nose in there. And then I don't know what happened, but one time I just, I started going fast and I went out and won one. And then next thing you know, I started making some friends, and then that was just, it was life-consuming after that. That's all I wanted to do was just race a motorcycle. It's kind of like a drug. It's kind of addicting, huh? Oh, I know. It sure is. <laughs> what uh, What's your favorite racing memory so far? Favorite racing memory? Uh, I'd have to say probably, probably the funnest weekend I, I've, I've had racing would be Vegas in 2015. It was just, I just had, you know, like two of my best friends there. It was just a really low stress kind of deal. Um, I got my first podium, my first professional podium that night. So that was pretty sweet, but I don't know. I, I can't really, you know, pinpoint what was so great about it, but it was just, uh, it was just an awesome trip and just a lot of fun. So that one definitely sticks out. You'll remember that one for the rest of your life. Let's talk about the transition from amateur racing into the pro ranks. How hard is that decision to make that move up to the pro well, I mean, it was something I kind of, I never really thought about seriously, but like I knew I wanted to do it one day. So, um, I kind of, you know, once I got in the 450s, I kind of started, that was my goal. You know, I was going to get, 
I was coming off a 250. I was going to get on a 450, start getting a little better on the bigger bike, and then hopefully, you know, get the get the pro singles license one day. And then um, I guess it really kind of hit me. We went to Daytona Bike Week in 2012. That was I was I rode the the 450A in the Steve Knight series down there. And I went. There was that there was a race at Daytona Short Track and the Amateur Day. And I went. I won that by a pretty big gap. And uh, I think right then I kind of told myself like, wow, I, I could probably do this and as a pro. And then, um, yeah, the rest of that year, we went to Amateur Nationals. I went for the Horizon Award. We, uh, J.R. Addison actually won it that year, so that was a fun week of racing. And, yeah, I think that was that year was kind of really the year where I kind of told myself, like, I, I think I could actually do it. So, What was the, what's the biggest change from racing, you know, in the amateur ranks as to racing in the pro ranks? I'd say that the competition and just how prepared everyone is, I guess. Like I went into Daytona 2013, you know, I, uh, I won it as an amateur on the 450. So the next year I got my pro license, had the same bike. I had the same setup. I thought I was going to go, go out there and, you know, set the world on fire. And I, I honestly don't even think I qualified that day. I didn't even make the top 48. So it was just a huge jump to just how, just how dialed in everybody is right from the beginning of the day, pretty much. Yeah, it seems like the pros, you know, they unload off the truck and they're fast just right out of the box. And, you know, some of the amateur riders, you know, it may take them a few sessions to go out and get the speed. So um, have you been compiling notes from all these racetracks so it helps you as a pro when you get to a track? You know, you just you have an idea of where to start with the setup and everything. Yeah, I got a little system figured out. It's probably not the greatest, but, you know, throughout the day, I, I put notes in, the, in my phone pretty much. and Just I kind of keep track of what gearing changes we made, what tire pressure I ran, you know, what suspension clicks I changed. And then I kind of get, by the end of the year, I got just a huge, you know, I could scroll for minutes of notes. And then I kind of, you know, type that up in like a word doc. And I got a little binder. I keep it all in for the, uh, for the next year. So it, it works out good. And I can, I'm to the point where I can kind of show up to a track, even if it's a new track and I can be within, I don't know, like a tooth or two off on gearing just from, just from like being that I can compare it to something else that I know. Yeah, that's, you know, it's always good to rely on your notebook and, and, you know, especially if you're riding the same bike, you know, each year when you go back to a track, but uh, you made the switch to a different brand of motorcycles. We'll get into that in a little bit, but let's recap the 2017 season a little bit. Uh, like at the start you had, I, I would consider your, your year very successful, you know, fourth in the points, uh, you know, a few podiums, a couple of fourth place finishes. Was it successful in your mind? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was kind of, my, my whole goal for last year is I wanted to show up to the race and be top 10 no matter what. And I mean, short of one, one or I guess two rounds last year, I, uh, I did that. So it was great. I got up on the podium a few times and I kind of got a little bit of confidence. And, um, and yeah, I, I, throughout the year, I was kind of still developing the Hondas a little bit, but I'd say by the end of the year, I had the Hondas to the best I thought I was going to get them. And, um, yeah, I, in my eyes, it was an awesome year. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your results, and, you know, a worst, a worst finish was Atlanta with 11th, except for if you take out the one where you didn't make the main at, at Lexington. So what happened in Lexington, and why why didn't you make the main that day? Okay, so Lexington, I don't know. Lexington was going good, um, had a good heat, and I was lined up for the semi, and uh, they had just watered or they worked on the track, so they out of nowhere they kind of decided to give us a sight lap. So I was on the starting line, and – we, we did a sight lap and I, you know, do my whole shot, go through one and two and then going down the back stretch, the, uh, I, I don't know why or how, but the, the chain came off. 
So my buddy Parker Norris gives me a push back, and being that we can't have backup bikes or anything anymore, I just ended up kind of rolling off the track. So um, I rolled off the track, you know, watched the semi, and I kind of thought it was over right there. And then the, I don't know how it worked. I'm pretty sure there like wasn't that many people signed up that day, but I actually ended up being scored in the ninth transfer like position to get into the main event. So the main event grid gets printed off. I'm lined up 18th, so I'm all pumped, you know, got my gear on, I'm all ready to go. And Dave McGrath comes up to me and he's like, hey, this is a huge mistake. Like you, you can't ride the main. And I'm like, why? And he said, well, you, I, I don't know, because I didn't finish the race. But then I go through the rule book and start looking at the rule book. And the, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a sketchy wording, but it just said you have to attempt to start the semi to make, to qualify for the main event. So we kind of argued back and forth that I did attempt to start the semi and it was him on the radio with Chris Carr and neither of them really know what to do. So they ended up just running a 17 man main event that day. And, uh, yeah. I sat on the sidelines and watched it. Yeah. That that's gotta be a hard pill to swallow for sure. I remember hearing the conversation at some races, Chris Carr is not too far from me and I can kind of overhear what's going on, but at some races, uh, I just hear what they report to me over the radio. And I heard that, that you failed to attempt to start. And I was trying to argue for you because you attempted, I mean, you went out there and you attempted your sighting lap. You made it halfway around the track. So I don't know how that's not attempting to start, but you know, that's why I'm not an official. I'm just an announcer. So, uh, so that was a hard pill to swallow, but you know, all the rest of the year, I, I mean, great results. I think that was a great season. Oh yeah, for sure. Like Calistoga had a fourth place. Um, that was just, again, just kind of a fun trip. I was actually out there with, uh, with my buddy Parker Norris and we went out there and just had a lot of fun and I, the bike was set up good that day and it was just a good main event. And then, um, probably my, the most, my favorite, yeah, besides Paris, but my, uh, my favorite race from last year would have been a uh, Peoria TT. Um, that was really just a fun day for me. It was kind of just low pressure, low stress. I had my mechanic, John L. Peters with me. We had a we had a rocket ship of a bike that we had been preparing all year, pretty much just for Peoria, and uh, we went out there and ended up third and got on the podium. So that was just uh, it was kind of a, a weight off my shoulders after being so close for the past couple of years there to to finally do it. So we're uh, we're really looking forward to that one this year also. So do you like jumping? Do you ride motocross when you're not racing flat track? Oh yeah, I got a good group of buddies back here. We all. Uh, you know, any weekend I'm home and I'm not off on the AFT circuit, every Sunday we, we go motoing at, at one of the local moto tracks or uh, we go trail riding a lot too in northern Michigan. So basically at, um, right where I live, within, you know, hour and a half, two hours, there's whatever you want. There's sand, clay, big jumps, little jumps, trails. So I uh, I like to stay on the, on the motocross bike pretty frequently when I'm not racing. So you just mentioned all those different ways you can ride. Is that why the Michigan riders have always been so fast? You know, the Michigan mafia and there's a, a deep history of flat track from Michigan. You think that's part of the reason? Yeah. And the other thing too, is we, uh, I mean, Michigan, we do have, we have a couple of really nice, you know, prep tracks, but like, I remember growing up as a kid, some of the tracks we rode were just, were just, you know, the most unprepped rutted up, you know, either dry, dusty, or, or just big ruts in it. Just, so I think that kind of helped me a lot growing up to learn how to ride a lot of, a lot of different services when maybe things aren't perfect and, uh, adapt to that. So I definitely think riding the, um, the, I, I don't know how you'd say it, but the, uh, the unprepped services might've helped me out a little bit. Yeah. If you can go fast on something that's hard to get a hold of or something that's rough, you can definitely go fast on a, a well-groomed racetrack for sure. So you, you mentioned Paris a couple times, second place finish, you know, just one off of the win. 
you said that was a good day. You know, second place, you're still you're still looking for that first win of 2017, uh, but you're close, right? Yeah, I mean, Paris was cool. I uh, I think in the main event, I actually I, I had a, like I, I struggled with start so bad last year, and I don't know what kind of clicked in my head or what I did with the bike or what happened. I kind of finally just started getting awesome hole shots that day, and I got a good one at the main event, and um, I led uh, pretty much like uh, I think 11 of the 15 laps before Price got me, and it was just a huge confidence booster to, you know, to get out there and lead the pack for that long, and um, yeah, it was great. I was honestly I was still pumped with the second. That was uh, my second second place finish besides Vegas in 2015, so it was good to be back up there. Yeah, absolutely. So that gave you a lot of momentum for the off season. So let's talk about uh, what happened since Paris. What'd you do before we got started now in Daytona? So basically after Paris coming home, I knew I wanted to get some new bikes because I'm, I, I've been riding a 08 and a 2012. So I was missing out on the contingency monies um, through all those rounds that I did have some good, you know, top five finishes. So I knew I wanted to get some new bikes, but I didn't really have a solid plan together or how I was going to do it. Um, so I talked to, I called around, talked to a lot of buddies of mine, seeing what the best options were. And um, this guy's over uh, Racy's Extreme Store in Lapeer. They um, they had this Kawasaki deal that it was just too good to pass up. So I ended up uh, making a plan with them, and they helped me out a ton and got me two 2018 Kawasaki 450s. Wow, that, that's a huge improvement from some old Hondas to some new Kawasaki's. What's been the hardest thing to get used to on a brand-new bike? Well, I mean, it's like I tell everyone, you know, it's not a spaceship. It's all a motorcycle, you know, the throttles on the right clutches on the left, but it's just like the, the Kawasaki's are a great bike. They're, they're awesome. You know, they're, they're really well built, but it's like, they, it's like, they don't want to be a flat track bike almost. There's just, there's so many little things about them that, that I've had to kind of modify or overcome or change, but I'm a, and I, I've really struggled with that even in the off season and going into Daytona, but I'm hoping for um, Texas here this next week. We we got a couple new motor packages put together, and I'm hoping I can uh, get back to where I left off last year on the podium. How has uh, switching to Kawasaki improved your program? Improved? Um, I think it's cool. Um, Kawasaki USA, I got a hold of them, and they've sent me some pop-ups and, you know, all the T-shirts I'd ever want. I got a stack of those sitting in my room. But, uh it's kind of cool just to kind of get um, recognized by them and talk to the, the marketing guy a little bit. And um, we're, he's, we're kind of talking back and forth about maybe putting a program together for next year, but none of that's finalized yet. But um, yeah, it is just kind of cool to get on some new bikes. And the other thing too about Kawasaki's is like this year, besides maybe, you know, Cole Zabala, there really isn't that many um, like top guys riding the Cowie. So it kind of helps me stand out a little bit and just, um, I guess, be a little bit more different than everybody else. I like it. So you said you made some modifications to these motorcycles. Are you doing that yourself? Um, yeah, pretty much through the week. Like I'm the, I'm the mechanic, you know, I, I get off work and I, I'm like Mert Lawwell on any Sunday, you know, I go out in my garage and spin the wheel and think about how I can make it faster. But, um, other than that, I got my brother. Um, like I said, he does all my suspension. Um, he lowers it, valves it, you know, takes it right from a stock motocross bike and we get him working good. And, uh, he does all my motor assembly and, and yeah, pretty much everything that I can't handle. He's always there for me. Right on. It's good to have somebody like that in your corner. That's been there and raced and, and knows what you're looking for. So, uh, is there time for you to test on the flat track bikes or you just strict, you know, s- stick to riding moto for practice? 
Well, like in the winter time, we uh, I, I we head down to Decoin Indoor, the Steve Mace race down there. Um, that's always a good a good you know two two three days of racing, so I can get a get a couple hours on the bikes under a couple different conditions down there. And then uh, like I went to Tennessee one time this winter, rode a little indoor down there. And then uh, besides that, we we put them on the ice a little bit and have some fun out there with all the Flint guys. And um, and yeah, then you know, in Michigan we got basically three seasons, you know, summer, winter, and mud. So there's not a whole lot you can do in between there. But um, anytime we can, we definitely get out and ride a little bit of flat track too. I love it. I love it. I love your seasons up there. Uh, I think I, I'm I'm spoiled <laughs> from growing up, and you know, I'm from South Dakota, but I grew up in Oklahoma, so it's either. It's either hot or cold here and it's always windy so it's it's hard to find the perfect day to ride here too but uh let's talk about 2018 now what were your expectations you, i loved your expectations last year you know finishing the top 10 in every race what were your expectations coming into 2018 and what are your goals well expectations coming into 2018 was a little bit of a mix-up you know you had a lot of guys like uh cory and ryan moving down from the twins class so you know i knew they were going to be fast and be tough competition and then uh, it seems like everyone else really upped their singles program, like, you know, Brandon Price and Colby and Shannon with the Husqvarna deal. So I definitely knew it was going to be uh, going to be hard. Even like, you know, my buddy, Jesse Janish, he's been off these first two rounds, just and he, he's been in front of me, both of them. So I really just wanted to come out and kind of, kind of stay on the, uh, kind of stay where I left off last year, just consistently top 10 and then just, um, just get, get some top fives and then get back up on the podium. That's always the goal. And then, um, for sure, the first win, I think it's coming. I'm, uh, I'm getting myself a little more dialed in and a little bit more confident every weekend. So I'm hoping sometime this year, you'll see me on the top of the box. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for that day. It's been a long time coming, but I know you're going to get there here real soon. Um, who, who's sponsoring your program or who's supporting you in, in this effort this year? Well, I like to say it's a it's a lot of little people, but it all adds up to it makes it all work, and I can get to the race every weekend. But like uh, you know, mainly my dad, he helps me out a ton. Um, he you know helps me with the finance and stuff, getting to the race. And then I got uh, Kevin Lambert at, at Goon Glass. He uh, he's kind of a goofy guy, but he uh, he he's pretty much my mechanic at the races. He comes to every race he can, pretty much, and he uh, he doesn't know a whole lot about you know the technical setup and stuff, but he can, um, he can change a gear and, you know, put air in the tires. And, and that's exactly what I need at the race. Just someone to be there to help me and kind of keep me straight through the day. Then other than that, like I said, like my brother back home is a huge help. Uh, a family friend, John L. Peters, he's, he's probably one of the biggest supporters of my program. He, uh, he pretty much built me the, built me a bike just for Peoria. We, uh, we put a lot of work into that one and, uh, we've been developing it over the past couple of years. So, um, that's huge. And other than that, it's just, um, it's all the other people, Gary and Kelly at light shoe. They're a huge help. They're, you know, they bring me over to the bus, give me a tour of the bus. Just, uh, just a good time. And then, um, Magnum distributing here in Michigan, uh, recluse clutches, motion pro works connection, TCX boots, um, AGV sport leathers. They're huge. I, uh, I'd order a set of leathers from them this winter and I guess some things happened in the manufacturing process and they didn't get my custom suit made. So, they ended up just overnighting me a suit off the shelf for Daytona just so I'd have it. that was, you know, super nice to them. And, um, yeah, MJ Whalen construction, just uh, a company we do a little bit of work with up in here and they decided to get on board toward the end of last year. And then, um, yeah, like I said, it's just so many other people, uh, Matt Hieronymus with Jane, I'm logging. He's, he's a good guy. He's there. He gives me a little bit of cash here and there to help out with the tire and fuel bill. And like I said, it's just all these people come together for, 
to basically help me my program and get to the race every weekend. Well, I had I had a question for later on now, but you just mentioned all those people that help you. So when you win that first race, who's going to get the ride on the on the victory lap with you? Uh, it's got to be my mechanic for the day. It's either probably going to be my buddy Kevin. He he's dedicated to me. He's uh, he's always there for the race. He's the one that you know if we leave let's say Charlotte at ten o'clock at night. He drives home all through the night so I can go and, you know, ride my motocross bike the next day or do whatever I got to do to the bikes to prep for the next race. So he's always there for me. Or, uh, or John, too. Hopefully it's at Peoria this year if I can get Jesse Janish, you know. Uh, John's a huge help, so I'd, I'd love to take him for one also. That's awesome. It sounds like you got a plan already. So let's talk about Daytona a little bit. Eighth place finish. Uh, I think I was expecting you to be a, a top five finisher so Tell us about what you expected going in on the bigger, better, faster track and how the day unfolded for you. Well, I, uh, I liked the bigger, better, faster track. It was, uh, it was a lot more, um, lot more kind of, of the, a more wide open layout. She can kind of get a lot of speed built up and it wasn't so like start and stoppy like it was last year, I guess you could say. And, uh, yeah, the day wasn't that bad. I felt good in qualifying and had a whole shot of the heat race, which was cool. And, um, all those road races were there. So that kind of added a little bit of a, a little bit of a mix-up count to it and then uh in the main event it was just kind of i got a great great hole shot and kind of fell in behind dan and uh jesse and i was doing good kind of keeping pace and then i don't know what happened or how it happened but i ended up i caught a shroud on one of those they had those tough blocks on the inside of like turn one i believe and i uh i caught a shroud and it ripped the shroud off and for like a lap i couldn't figure out why i, I couldn't grab the shifter and then once I finally figured that out, I had, I had fallen back home positions, and then it was just kind of a uphill battle after that. So you, you kind of put it in survival mode after something happens like that. It's it's hard to wrap your head around it, you know, when everything's clicking and then something out of the ordinary just pops in there. So it's hard to hard to you know refocus and keep going forward, isn't it? Yeah, like everything was going good, you know, and then it's like I came over the jump one lap and I went to downshift before that little chicane, and it's like. There was nothing there. Like my leg like hit a wall pretty much. So I ended up missing that corner. And I think Oliver and somebody else sat by me there. So I tried to kind of refocus. And then I didn't really figure it out until I was going across a certain finish line where I could finally look down and realize that the shroud was wadded up in between my leg and the and the bike. But after that, it was just kind of that little thing distracting me the whole race. But again, like I, I feel like that's no excuse. I probably should have been able to to gather it up and make a couple moves. But Eighth place is solid top ten out of Daytona. I wasn't too bummed, but I, I feel like I definitely could have had the potential to have been a little farther forward. Now let's talk about Atlanta now. A thirteenth place finish, you know, another one kinda out of your wheelhouse. You know, you're supposed to be up there running the top ten. Uh talk to us about that day. I know Saturday was really cold and the rains came in. We had to come back on Sunday. So tell us about Atlanta. Yeah, Saturday I, I wasn't feeling too bad. Um I knew the bike was still a little off. We've been struggling to get some horsepower out of these the new Kawasaki's. It's just like, you know, with the Hondas, you know, I've been riding the Honda for, you know, five, six years. So we had a we had a motor and a suspension package basically ready to go and it was just kinda all the parts were available. You could just buy and drop it in and, and it make great power, you know. And then with the Kawasaki's it was like this whole new learning curve of like what to do and getting parts and just constantly, you know, on the phone all day with you know, different companies or different people just trying to get, get a bike together before Daytona. And, um, like I said, like I got these bikes, you know, last October and it, it seriously took me all winter to try to get something together. And to be honest, going into Atlanta, we were very underpowered and, and just, um, a little unprepared, I'd say. 
Okay. So what have you done since Atlanta before the Texas race to be more prepared? Well, since then, we basically, you know, we've kind of started at ground zero and restarted. And just uh, luckily I've had enough people behind me to uh, to kind of push a couple things through and get me a motor that should be right up there with the best of them coming to Texas. And then especially going into these miles and Sacramento Phoenix coming up later uh, in the middle of next month. So there's a big stretch, about six races in a row. Do you just leave... Uh you know, leave town and in a van and, and you're gone for the entire six weeks or do you fly back and forth and somebody drives your van or how, do, how does all that work out? Nope. Well, I got a, like my, my buddy, Kevin, he's, he's buddies with uh, Monaco and that whole crew up in Modesto, California. So I guess basically next Friday, we're going to load, we're going to pack everything I own in my van pretty much. And uh, he's going to take off to Texas and then we're going to race Texas. And after Texas, I fly home and I'm going to try to, try to help my dad out and work for the week. And then Kevin's going to take off to Modesto to go hang out with James and the crew. And then, um, yeah, basically for the next couple of weekends, I'm just going to kind of fly in, meet up with Kevin, work on the bike, do whatever I, I got to do, and then fly home. And then he's going to hang out in California. And then um, we're just going to do that for, you know, the three or four weeks. And then um, come Sacramento time, I'm going to fly. We're going to fly back to, I'm going to fly into Sacramento, I guess, race, and then help help Kevin get home pretty much nonstop across the country and then, uh, get home, work on the bikes, you know, rebuild whatever got to rebuild or hopefully it's not too much and, uh, get ready for Springfield after that. Man, that sounds like a lot of, uh, you know, figuring out where who's going where and who's doing what. So are you now an honorary member of the Modesto mafia as well as the Michigan mafia? No, I've actually never hung out in the, with the Modesto mafia. I've, I've actually never been to Modesto. But I guess you could say Kevin is. I mean, he goes out there and hangs out with them for a month at a time. And uh, I just kind of fly into the races. Kevin picks me up, and then he drops me off after the race at the airport. So I uh, maybe maybe sometime in these next couple of weeks, I'll have to get out there and hang out with everybody. You better check it out if they're letting your uh, mechanic and motorcycle and everything you own hang out there. I mean, you got to keep an eye on that stuff. You know, those mafia guys are kind of crazy. Yeah, but I know they always give Kevin a big bag of almonds for me, so that's that's good. That's perfect. I love it. Um, are there any races you're really looking forward to this season and, and why? Um, I don't know. I guess we're right off the top of my head, Peoria for sure. Um, I've, you know, set fat, I fast qualified a, a you know, qualifying session or two here in the past couple of years. And, you know, I won the heat last year and it's always kind of in the main event. I, I either don't get, you know, good enough start and I kind of, you know, make a bad decision going into turn one and these positions, but I feel like I've always been somebody that's like right there, there. So I'm hoping this year I can all of these Kawasaki's figured out by then and we can, uh, we'll go out there, you know, shooting for the win. And I'm hoping I can go out there and have an awesome battle with my buddy, Jesse. So are you practicing your starts anywhere? I mean, it seems like you've mentioned that a few times. Have you, have you sat down and tried figuring out why you're not getting off the line very well? Yeah. Like, again, like, like I said, I don't know what happened, like what clicked in my mind or what I did, but like, Pretty much since Paris of last year, I've had pretty decent starts. Um, I, I whole-shotted my heat in Daytona and led that for a few laps. And then even in the main events, I had some good starts. I was just kind of, I was set back on the second row. But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I got it all figured out. And then, uh, yeah, just, just a little bit of testing here and there. I can kind of go out. We have a small short track in my, in my backyard. So I can go out and do some starts there. But I'm, uh, I'm definitely feeling way more confident, for sure, for the starting race. 
All right. Sounds good. Well, it's time for Graham's question. If you know who Graham is, that's Kathy Dubler. She's actually my grandma, and everybody thinks she's my mom because she looks so good. But uh, her question uh, to ben, ben Lau is, she's a big Ben Lau fan, but she wants to know how can how can she follow you and know more about you throughout the season? Um, probably for sure, follow Ben Lau Racing on Facebook. That's where I post most of my updates um, before or after the race. Um, you can, you know, look at some videos, maybe some pictures of race day. I like to, you know, post the pictures of me and the bike and just kind of show everyone what I'm up to. And besides that on Instagram, um, I don't post on Instagram a whole lot, but when I do, it's, it's usually worth it. All right. Sounds good. I'll let her know that for sure. Now it's time for our rapid fire questions. So these are pretty much whatever the first thought that comes into your head, uh, spit it out of your mouth. So the first one is who's an amateur racer that we should be keeping an eyes on our eyes on. Ooh, amateur racer. I'd say uh, just from being around like the seed and ace race and everything, I think, you know, Dallas Daniels, he he seems to always be right up there in the 250s and going into the 450s. He's always winning races. So I'm uh, I'm sure he'll for sure be a threat in the AFT ranks. Whenever I, don't, I think he's, he's pretty young still, isn't he? He's 14, 15. Yeah, yeah, he's 14 still. So he has to be 16 before he can uh, move up to the 450s. So maybe you'll be up there racing twins before he gets there. I don't know at this rate. We'll see, but, uh, yeah, I mean, twins is definitely a goal for, for one day, but we need a little bit more, uh, a little more backing before that happens. But I yeah, um, I, I'd say Dallas Daniels for sure. He's always, uh, he's always right up there at all the, the major amateur events. It's a great answer. I, I love watching that kid ride too. So, uh, why are you number 20? Number 20? Well, as a, as a kid and like growing up racing as an amateur, I was always number two. Um, again, I, I don't know why, I guess my brother was number two when he, when he was an amateur. So I just kind of took over that. And then when I got my pro license, I had to be a double digit. So I just added a zero and that's how I got 20. Okay. I like it. What's your favorite racetrack, whether it's one you've ridden, one you've seen on TV, uh, road race course, it doesn't matter what, what's your favorite racetrack? Oh, Peoria, hands down. That's probably one of the, Peoria is kind of one of those places where I feel like if your setup's a little off or maybe something's a little off that day. You can just kind of hit the jump a little harder and ride it into the corner on the front brake a little harder, and it's all going to work out. So I uh, I love Peoria. I, I really like Peoria, and I think it was 2016 when we had all that rain, and it was all yep. night. It was all rutted up and bumpy. I I was just having a ball that day. So definitely yeah. Peoria. Yeah, turn one and two. I think that that we had a rut in there. It was about two feet deep, and it, you know we don't race motocross. We have flat track bikes, but uh, I remember that day very vividly. Um, this one's kind of a strange question, but who has the best hair in flat track? the best hair yeah hmm i mean if you ask if you ask jesse's fiance red she she says me she's you know she she always takes videos and does a walk around of me at the race so um i, I don't really want to claim that but i know colby's got the whole the whole red hair thing I don't, I don't know what his whole deal is now but um everyone says he has the best hair but to, to be honest i uh i, I don't really know um, okay I'm hoping I, I was, one day possibly yeah I was uh, I was kind of set up for that question, so I just had to ask it. So I, I think you gave the correct answer. Uh, what's your favorite place to eat when you're on the road? Oh, that'd be uh, In-N-Out Burger for sure. Anytime we go out west, it's a solid In-N-Out Burger at least once a day. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, have, you know, have, have traction. Yeah, we, you know we don't get those out here in Michigan. So anytime, even in Texas, I'm pretty sure I looked it up. That's the most easterly one they have. So. That'll for yep. sure be a, one of the first places I get when I get off the airplane on uh, next Friday. So you're not even gonna put you're not even gonna put the racetrack in your GPS. You're gonna put In and Out Burger as soon as you land, huh? Yep, for sure. That's that's my number Man. one priority. 
Maybe we should give in and out sponsorship on your leathers, and maybe they can just hook you up with uh, <laughs> some food once once a day when you're at the racetrack. Yeah, that that worked for me. All right. So if you could bring a new sponsor into our sport, you know, somebody from the outside world, who would it be and why? A new sponsor. Huh, that's kind of a tough one. That's a little bit of a, a different question. Um, honestly, I, I, I have no idea. Maybe a, um, I don't know. Corey Texter's already got the whole candy thing with the sour punch kids going on. So let's just say in an outburger, you know, of a big fast food chain. There we go. I love it. I think, I think yeah, you're onto you, something. You, yeah. We're yeah, onto you something. You kind of led me into that one. With the I, I like question, it. So I like it. So, so if you get that yeah. sponsorship, you know, you got to hook the, the announcer up too, you know, I mean, cause he I likes mean, in and out burgers. I'll well. have a whole, I'll have a full spread at the pit, you know, I'll cater. It'll be, it'll be great. I'll make sure we get, you know, some fries and a, and a burger ran up to you and maybe a milkshake. So I'll make sure you're happy. That's perfect. I love it. Well, man, I definitely appreciate the time. I know I always mess up in your sponsors or your name or both, you know, every time I announce you because, you know, Ben Lau, it's spelled L-O-W-E, looks like low, and then you give, you know, low life, you know, I don't know. You got all kinds of sponsors that all look the same to me, so it just comes off my mouth, and it's always wrong, so I do apologize for that, and I know you're trying to fix that for me, but uh, I, I love I love watching out there in the racetrack, and, and I definitely appreciate your time here on Off the Groove, and uh, I wish you well the rest of the 2018 season. Alrighty. Well, yeah, I, uh, I, I really appreciate it too, for having me on here and letting me kind of talk about my program and what my plans are trying to be. We'll see how the huddles go here in the next couple of weeks, but I'd, uh, yeah, as of right now, we're just going to keep working forward, developing these new bikes and just try to get back up on the podium where I feel I belong for the rest of the year. I know, I know you hit on a lot of your sponsors earlier, but anyone, anyone else in particular you want to say thanks to while I got you? Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, like, like my dad, uh, Team Green Pass Rocky, my brother for doing all my stuff, Andrew Lewin Construction, Racy's Extreme Store for getting me those awesome, you know, Kawasaki KX450s, GM Logging, John Old Peters Racing, TCX Boots for clutches, uh, Light Shoe, like I said, Gary and Kelly, just awesome people who they are always there willing to help me out, uh, Works Connection, Motion Pro, Spectral Oils, Flow Vision Goggles, uh, my buddy Kevin at Goon Glass, he's always a good time. Uh, Magnum Distributing, Moose Racing, Saddleman, uh, HAC Hank, and always uh, AGV Sport for keeping me looking good in my suits. Once again, I appreciate the time, and uh, you better get back to work. Fire that, fire up that semi and get back to work, and uh, we'll see you down the road at the racetrack. Oh, I'm sure my dad's probably on the job yelling at me, but I appreciate <laughs> it, and we'll, uh, we'll see you in Texas. Thank you, Scotty. All right, that was Ben Lau, number 20. <laughs>